We are Encountering Silence. Encountering Silence is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Please visit patreon.com slash encountering silence to learn more about how you can be part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all too noisy world. This is the second part of a two-part episode. To hear part one, listen to last week's episode and then come back for this one. And to piggyback on that, because Carl said he wants to get back into the silence, I, I feel like I want to stand, uh, step up and and say that I think you were talking about silence when you were talking about the body. Um, mm. I, I think because that Cartesian split that you talked about in our culture, very theoretical ideas, concepts, but you started off in the podcast talking about a not knowing, a mm. silence, an apophatic. Yeah. And the space of the body has its own language, but it doesn't have words and it doesn't, it's not controlled by any ideology or anything else. So we can try to control it and we can sure. try to shape it and shift it and put it in a box, but it escapes all that. And so I, I think it's really nice to hear your answer to Carl there about toxic silence and that oppressiveness and that, and how you've had to overcome that. But I feel like your book is actually uncovering the positive silence of this unknowing and, and this doing that comes through the body. Uh, and it just, it feels beautiful that you can hold those two side by side like that. Thank you. I mean, it's just a, I'm, I'm deeply humbled. You know, it's a generous read. And, um, <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I, I'm just reading what's on the page. I don't think I, unless I, that's why I'm checking to see if I'm adding something or not. That's why I'm no, asking no, you. You're not. It's just, I'm just like, damn, I hope that other people get this. <laughs> I, I am trying to do a theology of unknowing. I'm, I'm, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. an, it's an unveiling. It's an unmasking. It's mm. a becoming. Right. Um, that's and, what it felt like reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. I just want, that's why I'm asking. Cause I didn't want to have my read. I wanted no, to see if it not was reading into it. Okay. It, it is, okay. it is apophatic. It's in that tradition of apophatic oh. theology without using that, that language, right. you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so of course I narrate some of the toxic silence right. that I encountered. Um, but really the, the beauty of the unfolding, if you will, mm. is, is this, is this other form of silence that you may miss if, if you're not tuned in to nuance. And Dr. Robin, I wonder for those who have a lens that only perpetuates silence as this negative or toxic thing based on experience of silencing and dominance, as, as we were talking about earlier, how do you think it's possible to show or express the beauty of silence? Um, this other side, do you think that language is the means to get there and you know even just using different words like solitude and contemplation, um, what's a way to make the beauty of silence more um, accessible and clear when, when the word has been tainted so much? I think, and, I'm, and I'm, I want to speak from experience. Mm -hmm. I just recently saw an immersive dance show here in Nashville hmm. a couple of nights ago. And I want to say that movement or somatics 
and the role of the body is mm. is a way is a way to do that. Mm. Mm. Um, and there's a beauty to. I go to a somatics class here in Nashville that Aaron teaches actually, and there's a beauty to that. A recovery of solitude, of contemplation, of silence. It's not yoga and it's not dance. It's mm. very slow movement, and you can feel almost to a cellular level if you're if you're grounded enough you can feel that deeply and so i would say movement and, and embodiment has to be that next turn mm. you know i'd like to say and and kevin and casty you can push back at me if if your perception is different mm. but but i think we've had we've had a number of dialogue partners on the podcast I mean, people who who we've enjoyed the conversations and they've 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 been wonderful, but who've tended to kind of fall on one side or the other. They're really mm. really dialed in into the toxic dimensions of silence and kind of the, the politics of oppression and how silence is embedded in that. But they don't really seem to have a very articulated kind of contemplative dimension to their own journey. And then we've had we've had other guests who are very dialed into the contemplative dimension, but are almost tone deaf when it comes to kind of the politics of silence. And so part of what I'm loving about this conversation, Dr. Robin, is that, you know, you're firing on all cylinders and that that is really, you know, I, I, I just, I see beauty in that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that the secret sauce is the embodiment. Mm -hmm. And I think that to the extent that we can be in our bodies, in our guts, in that visceral space, that we will know that how silence is our friend and how sometimes silence can be weaponized. Mm. I, and, I love that. I, I love that. And if Aaron were here, Aaron would say, yes, absolutely. Amen. <laughs> and one of the reasons why I started microdosing testosterone is to be more in my body because the silence of not being in my body overwhelmed me. And so mm -hmm. microdosing testosterone once a week is another way of getting into my body and figuring out, okay, what, what is this becoming body? What is, who am I? What, what am I doing? How does my vocation play out in the world? So yeah, absolutely. I think, I think embodiment is the key. And if, if we, if that could be the message, like, like the political slogan, you know, for the United States, we might be a different kind of people mm. because so much of our, our war against everyone has been around dis disembodiment, right? Mm -hmm. And if we encourage embodiment, we might see a different kind of people emerge. Dr. Robin, I love this, this truth that the more embodied we are with ourselves, um, as someone like Thomas Merton might say, the more we are our true self, the more, deeply connected we are to the rest of humanity. Yep. Um, and that embodiment, that knowing becomes this, this great, great connection. And I wonder how you found, in some of your work, I've noticed you, you reference and discuss uh, ancestors a lot. Mm -hmm. And I wonder about that connectivity with ancestors, how that has shown up in your life. Well, I, you know, I would say I agree to the extent that it, the more embodied we are, the more we can be connected to humanity. But I would take it a step further and say all mm -hmm. of creation. 
Mm, yeah. Because, yes, because thank it's, you. it's not just about being anthropocentric. Right. But it is about the flourishing of all of creation. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Um, thank you for that. And to the extent that is true, I will also say that paying attention to those who come before us and after us is part of the cycle of being embodied and being spirit inflected and being connected. The ancestor stuff has come from, I think that's my work to do in 2020, ancestor work. Um, and that's not just the Latinx ancestors, but that's my white ancestors and getting to know who were my ancestors mm. and where did I come from and what are those roots? And that, that really is coming from a place of wanting to be deeply embodied and deeply connected to all that is. Um, I'm a bit of a panentheist and believe that God is in all things, mm. um, even in my search for ancestors. And so, we, you know, I think that's some of our word. We're so, we're so disconnected. You know, we, we, we carry around these little computers in our pocket and we're so connected to them. Um, but we're deeply, deeply disconnected from one another. Mm -hmm. And and if memory is how we keep people alive, and it's how and if that's how we change our culture, then we all need to be doing greater work around being connected to what what was, what is, and what will be. Mm -hmm. I my um, little sign off on my iPhone when I send out an email is sent from my tiny pocket computer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And again, this conversation just reminds me of how theo you said everything's theological. This is so theological for me. I just hear all the tradition, uh, yep. the Christian tradition of talking about, you know, this is the time of Advent. So yep. the holy entering, incarnating, becoming one with bodies, becoming right. a body. And what you just said, somehow getting in touch with the body will make us in touch with the divine, with yep. all that exists. And, yep. you know, and that will extend into ancestors. It'll extend into the communion of saints, as they yep. call it. It's, so yep. those who've come, those who will come, uh, right. those who were, right. it, yep. it, it, it's, it's just, I feel like there's, um, this entire conversation is touching on almost every theological topic you could study. And it's interesting. Well, and, and, you know, I don't know. Do you do you know the podcast Homebrew Christianity? With yes. Trip Fuller? So Trip is a dear dear friend of mine. He's kin to me, mm -hmm. and um, he's one of my best friends. And so I'm on his podcast a lot. And he um, he was giving me a hard time. He was like, "Robin, this is really orthodox." Right. And I'm right. like, "Well, I've been deeply entrenched in the tradition." And so, when you know the 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 failure of theologians often is to is to not speak about the tradition as a whole and just to pick parts of it. Right. Um, and that, and that's bad theology. Right. But, but when we look at it as a whole and, and, and we, and we name empire and misogyny and patriarchy while also naming the good, the beautiful and the true, right. there's something really beautiful about that. Right. You know? Right. So I try to do that in my work as much as I can um, and I'm not shy of naming the bullshit that keeps a noose on on all of our necks, you know. But it is important to 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 talk about theology not as a niche, but as a robust discourse that actually has a lot of flavor to it. Right. 
This conversation on encountering silence will continue after a 30-second break of silence. Take a moment and breathe with us. Right. That's probably why I enjoyed the book so much. I felt that flavor of orthodoxy that you were getting picked on for, and yeah. yet that honest look at where we are culturally and, yeah. and calling out either the church or society or whoever and just calling right. it out and saying, no, hey, the larger tradition has wonderful things in it. There's right. broken things in it too, but there's wonderful yeah. things in it, and let's look at it and let's cultivate and Right. I, I felt like you were really engaged everywhere you went. It wasn't Thank any, you. nothing was getting thrown to the side. That's, right. I, you know, right. that that's yeah. just helpful for me. Yeah. Thank you. I think orthodoxy, authentic orthodoxy is profoundly radical. Mm. And, and so it's just, it's just wonderful to just have this conversation taking the direction. It's Thank saying. you. Thank you. You know, we often talk about poetry mm-hmm. on this podcast and so I'm just curious, Dr. Robin, if there's a particular poet or poem, any kind of literary artifact. Yeah, yeah. I, I could name a lot of people like Toni Morrison, mm. James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. But the person who really, and I, and I read this poem like when I can't sleep or when I am struggling. The poem is called Vida, which means life. And the, the poet, the the poet, her name is Alfonsoni Storni. And the poem, the part of it, and I and I quote part of it in my book about how the world palpitates. And I kind of feel like that is my metaphor for silence. Mm-hmm. Is that silence is palpitating for us to pay attention to her. Mm. And when we do, the world changes. Beautiful. It seems like in, in not all, but in many of these conversations, we get brought to silence. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Dr. Robin, another question we like to ask is if you have a silence hero, someone that famous or maybe known only to you who embodies the beauty of silence and the promise of what silence holds. Yeah, for me, that person is Gloria Anzadoa, who worked in in solitude a lot of the time. But, and so that silence that she created as she contemplated and did her work produced some of the most wonderful poetry and theory that that we have in spiritual activism. Um, And so, yeah, that person for me would be Gloria Anzadoa. And could you give just a little background for those who don't know? Yeah, so Gloria Anzadoa was a Chicana, Tejana, queer theorist, theologian, pragmatist, visionary thinker who... Um, Pro- approximately pub- when did yeah, they... Yeah, um, 
lived, um, I mean, just passed away in like 2003 or four okay. or 2002, something like that. Um, and, and she wrote a very famous book called Borderlands La Frontera, oh. the new Mestiza. Yeah. And um, that was published in 1987. And her archives are down at the University of Texas, Austin. And I visited her archives several times and done archival research. And her work is really about bringing the body, the indigenous, the colonized body into focus. Um, and so, so much of our work is on embodiment and so much her work is on visibilizing that which is excluded or masked. So her, her work is unveiling too. Mm. Mm. Guys, I know, Kevin, you have a hard stop at 3.30, so I, Sadly, I don't want to- I, I don't want it to be because this is such a good conversation. <laughs> I wish we were just going. Um, but yeah, I sadly have to actually, I could probably stretch it to 3.35 maybe. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm already thinking that Dr. Robin will need to come back yeah. for, for another yeah. conversation. If, if, if Dr. I Robin's hope, happy to do it, I would love I it. Yeah, sure. This has I, been I, a lot. This is one of the more fun podcasts that I've done. So yeah, I'm happy to come <laughs> back good. anytime. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, are there any last minute, because we only have about five minutes here. So is there anything yeah, left? I mean, I don't think mm. I was going to ask about the silence of your father and his silence of surrounding issues of importance and ultimately also kind of that silence of erasure, mm. but yeah. that would be too long of a question, I think in five minutes. So I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I think that, you know, whenever a parent dies is, is breathtaking and to not be told that your parent has died and to find their obituary online is shocking yeah. and and I think that you know my dad and I were best friends until I came out as trans and queer and I you know I, I loved him deeply and I think the thing the ultimate silence is that we don't get to repair mm. and right. right which requires embodiment yeah. yeah we can't we can't repair relationships without being embodied Mm-hmm. And and so I try to do my due diligence to make sure that we do reparative work in our relationships as often as we can, um, because that which is left undone at the moment of death remains undone, and and that produces folds of silence. Mm. Yeah, that that. It's so provocative. I feel like I, we should have like a seminar on that. Yeah. Because I feel like I want to unpack that and think about that from so many angles and push back and ask questions and doubt about it and one, and then agree with it. And it's so rich. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. I think that's, that's one of the beauties of, of this embodiment, right? Is that you get to, you get to dance with it. You get to push at it. You get to pull it in. You get to to move with these ideas to develop um, your thoughts and your, your theologies. And yeah. 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 I now, I know this is a great interview because my mind is, I can, I'm starting to see a whole bunch of things I either want to read or write or like this is, yeah. Again, I thank you so much for your time. I mean, this is, Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I mean, the, the, the book I enjoyed 
I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I picked it up, I was like, hmm, because I was in a different space. And I was like, oh, all right. I've read a lot of social justice I, I, or activists. The, I, you know, I read the title. I'm like, uh, but yeah. I got in and I said, oh, wait a minute. I came in thinking it was X and it is not X. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I was just, I just enjoyed it. So thank you. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your work. And we look forward to more. Great. I appreciate it. So, thank you. Thank you so much. A rich thank conversation. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Can't yeah. wait to come back. are encountering silence. I'm Cassidy Hall. To learn more about me, please visit CassidyHall.com. I'm Kevin Johnson. To find out more about my work, visit my website, KevinMichaelJohnson.com. I'm Carl McCollman. My website is CarlMcCollman.com. Please visit the podcast website at EncounteringSilence.com. There you can learn more about each of our episodes and find links to purchase books and other resources we discuss on the podcast. By making a purchase through our website, the podcast receives a small affiliate commission from Amazon.com. Also, to learn more about how you can be a part of our circle of supporters, visit Patreon.com slash EncounteringSilence. This way you can share in our efforts to bring meaningful conversations about silence to our all-too-noisy world.